find what my dad's not. He, he won't feast on human lives like we do. <laughs> Leave that as the opening line of the show. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff you wish you could leave in editing. Oh, boy. <clears throat> and on that note, welcome to Tom's 10. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey. <clears throat> hey, guys, you know how professional we are. So I'm just going to leave that shit in because I find it funny. But if I don't want to leave that in... This is Tom's 10 Champions. You need to know. It's another late night edition here because me and Tom are busy as 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 all fuck and we have crazy lives. <laughs> Always. Oh yeah. Tom just come coming back from uh, training, practice, what do you call it? Either or. All right. So, Tom's 10 Champions you need to know. These are not the regular Mount Rushmore guys that you like it's not not the Hulk and Austin Rock. These are the guys who have changed the business for the better in their own time. This is going back back a little bit. Some of them you know, some of them you may not. But it's just going 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 to be fun like always. Talk talking talking about this. Tom did all the research, of course, because my research ability is uh, wing it. But you can't really do that in situations like this. So how's it? How's the egg going, man? Not too bad. Uh, this has definitely been my most extensively researched edition to date. Um, got to learn about the history of radio. <laughs> it's part of uh, this one. And yeah, this, so this is ton, 10 champions you need to know. I'm not saying these are the greatest champions of all time. Although, uh, number one, I'm going to say probably is. But... Um, yeah, the Mount Rushmore of wrestling I've heard, everybody saying Rock, Austin, Undertaker, Jericho, Hulk, Ric Flair. And not to say that, you know, those guys and John Cena, Chris, aren't great champions, but everybody knows both of them. And some of these other people that weren't even mentioned is a travesty because these guys literally changed or revolutionized the business or in some cases, made the business. Um, so 10 champions, you need to know. Number one... Oh, are, are these in, in any particular order, or just 10 champs you would, you would need to know? Um, probably the top three are going to be the number three, top three, I could argue. But for this one, they're not particularly in order. Just 10 you definitely need to know. Although number one is, I say, the greatest champion of all time, with Lou Fez. Um... Three-time NWA champion, 15-time overall world champion around the world. Oh, wow. Uh, Luthez had the longest reign of any NWA champion. Uh, we're going to put some of these reigns in perspective for people. Uh, everybody remembers, you know, other great champions. CM Punk, 438 days. Yeah. Um, current NWA champion, Nick Aldis. If he can hang on to it until the end of the year, it'll be 428 days. Oh, wow. Uh, even it remembers uh, other great guys, but like The Rock. The Rock's first title reign was only 50 days. Uh, Sergeant Slaughter. Everybody remembers Sergeant Slaughter, world champion. 64 days. Uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, big time NWA champion. 76 days. 
The Cadet, famous CWO champion, 77 days. One day more than Ricky Steamboat. Um, but even Stone Cold, uh, his longest reign was 175 days. Uh, Dusty Rhodes' longest was only 88 days. Wow. Uh, Dusty Shore's reign was five days. So, And even uh, over in Japan, Kajuka Okada, uh, longest reigning IWGP champion of, all, of the modern era at all time. 720 days. So, Luthez, longest reigning NWA champion of all time, 2,300 days. 19, November 27th, 1949 through March 15th, 1956. Wow. So that is seven and a half years to skip you all some math. Uh, and that is the only, scarily, that is only the second longest reign title reign of all time. Uh, however, Lou's combined three NWO title reigns combined to 3,749 days for 10 years, 3 months, and 9 days as the NWA champion. He had a 58-year career wrestling actively from 1932 until 1990. When at the age of 74, he challenged Masahiro Chono. Uh, he was 46 the third time he won the NWA championship. And he held on to it for three year, a couple years. Uh, his final run when he was the UWA champion in 1978 at the age of 62. And he held on to the title for a year. Well, would you want to wrestle Luthez even at the age of 62? No, not at all. Um, in addition to being a sheer badass man in wrestling, uh, in World War II, he taught hand-to-hand combat to battlefield medics and uh, was probably one of the most famous wrestlers of all time in the golden age of television. Uh, he was on television more than anyone in the 1950s, more than Gene Autry, Lucille Ball. Uh, he also invented the Thez Press, of course. Uh, what is now known as the German suplex uh, is actually the belly-to-back waistlock suplex. It became known as the German suplex when, due to Karl Gotch. Uh, the power bomb and the step-over toehold facelock. Uh, Wait, the power bomb? That's right. The thought, original I power thought, bomb. I genuinely thought that was an 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 eighties creation. No, sir. Wow. Uh. And in case you needed further proof that Luthez is the greatest wrestler of all time, there are many wrestlers who are Hall of Famers. Ric Flair is a two-time Hall of Famer. Luthez has a fucking Hall of Fame named after him. <laughs> the George Tragicos Luthez Hall of Fame in Waterloo, Iowa. So not only is the man a multi-time Hall of Famer, they named it not a wing, not an exhibit, they named a Hall of Fame... After Luthes. Now my next question: Do they have an actual building? Yes, they do. All right, so they're a, they're a step up from WWE. No, it is legit. You can go to Waterloo, Iowa. It is a legit place. The International mm-hmm. Wrestling Hall of Fame. Road road trip. Definitely. All right, guys. So if you if anybody wants to call our wives and uh, explain to them why we're going to Iowa and not seeing. Slipknot live. Um, 
that's, that's why. Hey, that's the only other Iowa thing I can think of. That's right. But. All right. Um, going from arguably the greatest champion to the very first champion of wrestling. Um, wrestling take professional wrestling goes way back to Egypt and frontier and pioneer days, but there was never an acknowledged world champion until George Hackenschmidt, the Russian lion. Hackenschmidt toured Europe, dominating in the late 1898. Wow. Yes, uh, it wasn't until officially in 1903 when he defeated the American world champ, the American wrestling champion, the great Tom Jenkins, that he was in both a Greco-Roman and catch-style matches. He was officially renowned at that point in 1903 as the world champion. And also keep in mind, Hackenschmidt traveled the world in 1898-1903 as the world champion. Commercial flights were not available until 1914, and that was flying by Zeppelin. Uh, the Model T Ford was not available until 1908. Wow. So Hackenschmidt rode by horse and carriage and steamship around the world <laughs> defending the world championship. He was also uh, an incredible human being. He was a champion from 1903 until 1908 for five years. He clean and jerked over 360 pounds. He was one of the pioneers of fitness, uh, an incredibly intelligent man. Uh, he also had a just ripped, jacked physique. Oh, man. In... The 1900s. Okay, you gotta send me these pictures. We'll post them on the. I will post them on the Gilmy Talks face Facebook page, guys. When I drop this epi, epi, episode, you gotta see these pictures of 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 this guy, especially his trunks. Uh, fantastic build. Prior to the existence of fitness routines, gyms did not exist. Uh, he wrote some of the first books on fitness. Uh, he spoke seven languages. English, Russian, Estonian, which is a old Russian dialect, German, French, Spanish, and Finnish. And Estonian as a language is very difficult. It's very guttural. Yes. If I recall properly. Yes. Um, he also invented the hack squat and popularized the bench press. He was friends with famous playwright George Bernard Shaw and Harry Houdini. Wow. And so he was the first ever, ever world champion. Russian Lion, George Hackenschmidt. Uh, number three on the list, the man who defeated our first ever world champion and the man who is arguably the greatest tough guy or wrestler wrestler in the history of wrestling Frank Gotch uh, Frank Gotch was from Iowa and he defeated George Hackenschmidt in 1908 in Chicago's Dexter Park Pavilion uh, 1908 6,000 people came to 
watched them wrestle for over two hours they wrestled before Hackenschmidt submitted. So I realize we're, Iron Man matches are incredible. These guys wrestled for over two hours in a legit shoot wrestling match, and over 6,000 people came once again Cars were not commercially produced yet. That's crazy. 6,000 people came, walked, or took horse and buggy to come see this. Uh, and then their September 4th, 1911 rematch, uh, Comiskey Park, drew 33,000 fans in 1911. So a few people had cars, but most people would be still riding horse and buggy. Uh, It was the largest crowd ever for a non-horse racing event at that point. Uh, And it drew a gate of over $87,000. And to put that in perspective, uh, $87,000 in 1911 is worth roughly $2.35 million in today's dollars. So they were laughing all the way to the bank. Uh, the promoters were anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Frank Gotch defeating the Russian Lion uh, was huge too because it made America's sport wrestling. The reason there is YMCA have wrestling and wrestling is in every American high school is because of Frank Gotch. Uh, he was also undefeated as a world champion. He retired undefeated. He from 1908. To 1913. So five years traveling the world, and he was undefeated. Undefeated. Uh, he popularized the toehold. Uh, he was invited, and he was like, and it was such a huge deal that he was champion. He was invited to the White House by President Theodore Roosevelt. Well, he was a big wrestling fan. Yes. That's well documented. Go look it up. It is. It, that is very true. Yeah. Um, his professional record, uh, also once again to put this in perspective, Gotch's professional record was undefeated as champion. Uh, some other devastating like professional fighters, uh, Mike Tyson was fifty six and two. Uh, Muhammad Ali was fifty six and five in professional competition. Butterbean. Mm-hmm. 77, 10, and 4. Well, I love that guy. Uh, even Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle's amateur record, collegiate record, was 116, 10, and 2. Frank Gotch's entire career record was 154, and 6. And he never lost a single fall in the last seven years of his career. That, so not only in two or three fall matches, not only did he not lose a match, he never lost a fall. That is insane. So probably the toughest man ever in wrestling. Uh, and he was, in fact, post-wrestling, was going to run for governor of Minnesota when he died of liver failure. Minnesota loves electing wrestlers. They do. They really do. Want to run? Got to be American. I know. Down there. Uh, number four on our list, um, I'm a huge fan, but not as well known as he should be, Vern Gagne, uh, 16-time world champion and 10-time AWA champion. Um, Gagne is overlooked sometimes. 
he founded the AWA in 1957, and he was the first champion of the company. But people don't realize that other people had broken away from the NWA. No one had been successful breaking away from the NWA prior to Vern Gagne. He had the third longest reign ever as champion. Uh, he was AWA champion at one point from 1960, August 31st, 1968, until November 8th, 1975, for 2,625 days. So just over seven years. Wow. Um, and you can say, sure, he owned the territory. He, you know, he keep it on himself. Keep in mind, he still had to get up every day, go out and wrestle. Didn't matter what hurt, how tired he was. And AWA had a god-awful touring schedule. Uh, oh, yeah. They were... They were northern U.S., right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> and wrestling, like, 30, 60 minutes every night for seven years. Well, he kept in really good shape. Oh, yes. Um, Vern was a dominant. Uh, and guys talk about, like, Olympians and uh, Kurt Angle, you know, being Olympic gold medalists. And even before Ken Matera, Olympic powerlifter, Mark Henry. Um, Vern was one of the original guys. Vern was on the 1948 Olympic wrestling team <laughs> for the United States. And he was a two-time NCAA champion back in 1948 and 1949. So he could stretch, stretch, stretch people as it, as it, as well. Definitely. Um, and jumping to number five on the list, Nick Bockwinkle. Uh, <laughs> I've lo loved Nick Bockwinkle. Uh, I love this guy. Uh, Four-time AWA champion, ended Vern's seven-year run. Uh, Nick had a 32-year wrestling career from 1955 to 1987. Uh, he was the WCW commissioner in 1994, and he was the president of the Cauliflower Alley Club, which is for uh, wrestling alumni, until May of 2014 when he stepped down due to bad health and uh, unfortunately passed away in November of 2015. So basically, Vern was, or sorry, Nick was involved in wrestling his entire life. And he was also, I would say he was the first true heel. He really innovated a lot of a certain style. Uh, the Wearing the expensive suits. And, and we talked about all oh, the horsemen doing that in the 70s. Nick Bockwinkle was wearing fancy suits, big words, and Rolexes in the 50s. Uh, and he was also one of the first second generation uh, generational superstars. He was the son of Warren Bockwinkle. So he was a prodigy back before, you know, everybody talks about, you know, Cowboy Bob Warren Jr. and uh, all these other guys in the 80s. But once again, 30 years before that, Nick Bockwinkle. Uh, he was also big money, big money, making over $100,000 in the 60s. Uh, which, once again, in today's dollars, is equal to roughly $870,000 a year. So, a good chunk, a solid chunk over three quarters of a million dollars a year. Yeah, I think he was doing pretty okay. Yeah. So, big time Overlook Star, once again. Number six, uh, Ed Strangler Lewis. <laughs> uh, Ed Lewis was a four-time world champion back in the... 1920s in the 
heyday of America. Now, to describe him, how this is the one that a lot of people probably don't don't know. How would you describe his wrestling style exactly? It's very defensive style. Uh, Ed matches where they were all very long. Uh, he once wrestled Joe Stucker for five hours and twenty minutes to a draw. Uh, referee stopped. The third referee, first referees collapsed from exhaustion. Uh, everyone had left. They were using car lamps to light the ring because it was an outside venue. Both men were rushed to the hospital after. Stacker stayed there for three days <laughs> to recover. Um, but Strangler Lewis was the first celebrity. Like, the other guys were world... He was the first celebrity world champion. Uh, he made his <laughs> debut in 1905 and wrestled until 1948 actively. First one to have an illegal hold, the strangle hold, which was his version of a sleeper. Uh, the first person to really have a illegal hold. Uh, also invited to the White House to meet Teddy Roosevelt, uh, but he was a, he was spoke at men's clubs and was a very eloquent person as well. So, really, the first wrestler to step outside and be known outside the world of wrestling. Uh, number seven, arguably one of the most famous wrestlers uh, of all time, or inspired the most, was Bruno Sammartino. Uh, Bruno is the longest reigning champion in the history of wrestling. Uh, Bruno's longest reign lasted from May 17th, 1963, until January 18th, 1971. For a total of 2,803 days, or 7 years, 8 months, and 1 day. Uh, he defeated the original Nature Boy, Buddy Rogers, who we'll talk about shortly, in 48 seconds with his backbreaker. So that was completely unheard of at the time. Bruno has a record for selling out Madison Square Garden the most times of anyone. And even his second reign as champion was no slouch. Uh, from December 10th, 1973 till April 30th, 1977 for 1,273 days or three years, four months, and 20 days. That's crazy. And Bruno would inspire the likes of Mike Tyson and a who's who of today's modern era of wrestling. Yeah, because Bruno, Bruno Sam, Sam Martino, I think... In my opinion, he's a guy who changed the game of wrestling. He, he really did over his entire career. Because I think he he brought it more, he brought a different style. Because the Bruno match was, I don't want to say fast, because that wasn't a Bruno match. But compared to the previous style, where you literally grappled for... Hours. He took it away from the Greco-Roman style, which was a very much more static, more like a chess match than a fight, in the way that baseball differs greatly from football. <laughs> <laughs> um, number eight in our list, Dory Funk Jr. Uh, Dory Funk is only a one-time NWA champion. However, it is the second longest NWA championship reign in the history of the NWA at 1,563 days or 
four and a half years, from February 11th, 1969, till May 24th, 1973. And even though he's only had it for one time, he's still the fourth longest combined reign of any NWA champion. Wow. Uh, Dory, of course, son of the great Dory Funk Sr. and brother of the legendary wild man Terry Funk. Um, now, how would you compare, for the people who don't know, everyone probably listening, you know Terry. Terry is a much younger brother than Mad Dory. And Terry's, Terry, he, he he's still wrestling. <laughs> um, if they would let him, he would still wrestle. Uh, Dory was much more as a professional, but equally rugged to Terry. Like, uh, there's sometimes the misconception that Dory wasn't as tough as Terry, and that's not at all true. It was, he was just more controlled than, uh, Terry. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure Dory didn't do barbed wire or moonsaults at the age of 50 to... No. No, I don't think too many people do that, other than, like, Ganny Murrah and <laughs> a couple of great guys. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, number nine, everybody loves Ric Flair. Woo, the nature boy. Uh, what most people don't realize is the original nature boy was Buddy Rogers. Uh, back in his 1939, the bleach blonde, strut and robe wearing nature boy was telling everybody he was better. And everyone hated him. Oh, yes. Um, the original Nature Boy is only one of four people to be both NWA and WWE champion. Uh, the other three being AJ Styles, Ric Flair, and Christian. Uh, the Bunny Rogers strut, which has been emulated by everyone from Ric Flair to Jeff Jarrett to Jesse Ventura. People didn't strut before Bunny Rogers. You didn't strut during a fight. <laughs> And so Buddy Rogers strutting and slicking back his hair drove people wild. Uh, he did popularize the figure four leg lock. He did not invent the figure four leg lock because the figure four is a judo hold that can be applied to any limb. But he did popularize the figure four. Uh, he once wrestled Pat O'Connor at Comiskey Park. It was 38,622 people. In June 1961 for an all-time record then. And then he later broke that record in the 80s. The David Vaughn Eric Memorial Show. And of course, Nature Boy Buddy Rogers was the first ever WWF champion back in 1963. And uh, equally amusing fact was he was the first person to win the championship at a tournament in Rio. <laughs> Uh, hmm, I wonder where, where that happened. Again. Yes. But, so the original Nature Boy, Buddy Rogers. And number 10 on our list, um, Antonio Inoki. Uh, Three-time IWGP champion. Now, everybody loves New Japan wrestling. New Japan. I love New Japan, too. Uh, yeah, same. So, literally, you can't say the world of wrestling would ever be the same without Antonio Inoki because he found New Japan Wrestling in 1972. So, unspeakable impact on the world of wrestling. Because without him, you wouldn't have 
strong style wrestling. You you wouldn't have most of what we have in wrestling today. Uh, and Inoki had a legendary career on his own. Uh, three-time IWGP champion. He fought Muhammad Ali in 1976. Uh, and outside, also incredible records. Um, he wrestled the North Korean peace ceremony against Ric Flair in 1990. Or sorry, uh, 95 that was, sorry. Uh, the day one was 150,000 fans, and day two was 190,000 people came to see these. That's insane numbers. Yes. Um, he was also elected to Japan's House of Counselors. Uh, so he was a member of government, both in 1989 and then again in 2013. So 15 years apart, that's, almost. That's like Pierre Trudeau right there. <laughs> Except good at his job. <laughs> okay, um, no Canadian politics. <laughs> uh, and Noki, I didn't realize other wrestlers have been mayors and governors. Uh, Noki helped negotiate the release of Japanese hostages during the Gulf War with Saddam Hussein. Well, I guess everybody listens to Noki, or you're going to get slapped. Yeah, so... Uh, so, an incredible man who had a profound impact that is frequently and tragically overlooked. A few more we're going to just quickly talk about. Honorable mentions, some people that may or may not be talked about, but had some substantial accomplishments that definitely changed the game of wrestling. Uh, Harley Race, eight-time NWA champion at a time when people never won the championship more than two or three times. Uh, it was unthinkable to win... Harley had the record forever prior to Ric Flair. People didn't win world title eight times. Uh, he has the third most combined days as champion with 1,803 days and is widely considered the toughest man in professional wrestling. I'd say toughest man done. Yeah. Uh, wrestled six nights a week in his era. And like he, so, he body slammed Andre the Giant in 1978. So four years before Hogan ever thought about, actually no, seven years before Hogan did it, sorry. Yeah. He was the King of the Ring in 1986 and wrestled for the last televised AWA championship match in August of 1990. Uh, Jack Briscoe was uh, NWA champion from 1973 until 1975, minus four days, but he was the first ever Native American NCAA champion in 1965 and the first ever Native American NWA champion in 1973 uh, also discovered Hulk Hogan that's a little thing there <laughs> yeah fun little fun little impact uh, also mentioned to Farouk aka Ron Simmons for was the first ever African American NWA champion in 1992 and held the championship for 150 days. Kenji Muta, aka the Great Muta, uh, <laughs> partially on the list just because I wanted Muta on the list. But uh, fantastic champion in his own right. 22 major titles, four-time IWGP champion, three-time All Japan champion, and a former NWA champion. And he's only one of three people to held. All three of those titles. Uh, also invented the Shining Wizard. And also uh, the Green Mist. No. I know. 
Uh, <laughs> you just want me to segue to that we're going to talk about who invented the mist on another edition. Oh, yeah. Ten innovators you need to know. Yep. Uh, and also our final honorable mention going to the fabulous Moolah, dominant women's champion held either the NWA or WWF women's championship pretty much from 1956 until 1983. Was the oldest champion in wrestling history uh, when she won the WWE women's championship in 1999 at the age of 76. She was the first woman to wrestle at Madison Square Garden in night, July 1st, 1972. Wow. She helped repeal the New York State Athletic Commission ban on women wrestling in New York. Women were not allowed to wrestle in New York prior to... Mula. Yep. Uh, and she was also the first woman, first woman in the WWE Hall of Fame in 1995. Uh, and also one of those... That's an interesting fact. She was part of the original screw job in November 25th, 1985, when the Spider Lady shockingly upset champion Wendy Richter, and Spider Lady was unmasked to be revealed as Moolah. <laughs> because Moolah was a uh, shooter. Undoubtedly, probably one of the toughest women in the history of wrestling. Um, yeah, so... Maybe one of the toughest people. Just. And so before you send us a bunch of hate mail saying, why didn't you put so-and-so on the list? I'm not saying that anyone not on the list wasn't a great champion. I just feel those people mentioned have been grossly overlooked for their massive contributions to wrestling. And we'll also be covering on a future edition, Tom's 10 Innovators Need to Know. Uh, people who are not necessarily champions, but made huge impacts to the business. And, of course, we will be back with our usual Talking with Tom segment where we discuss January's wrestling action. Yeah, because January's another well, another packed, packed month, like always. And, of course, I'm just going to plug the plug the show that I'll be going to January 1st. Go to Death Proof Fight, Fight Club, Hair of the Dog at the Rock Pile in Etobicoke. 5555 Dundas Street, I believe. West. West. Dundas Big Street West. Yes. And I'm I'm going to be there. Will you see me? Come up. Say hi. Prepare to be hugged. Oh, yeah. Thanks, thanks Tom.